0: My name is Michael Harvey. I'm a DCE, Director of Christian Education at uh, Redeemer Lutheran Church in Rochester, Minnesota, so about an hour and a half south of the cities. Uh, I've been there my whole uh, ministry here, 18 years, just loving it. And, um, And I honestly believe that helping youth resolve conflict is more fun than you think. Who else is with me? So that is, like, comforting, because if you're all like, I'm like, well, let's go home. <laughs> you are, you're right here. That's the message, right? You will need your Bible out. So if you have your gathering Bible, please take that out. We are going to be looking at that. As part of these mod, or sessionals, we do like to try to use the, the songbook of the, of the church, of the Bible, um, the Psalms. And so we'll be getting into a Psalm today. And uh, no apologies. I'm going to use some of our very short 35 minutes on scripture, right? That's what we should use time on. That's what we should do. Uh, and uh, we're also going to use time on prayer. So can you join me in a word of prayer? Uh, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for gathering um, all of us in this room, and thank you for conflict. Thank you for uh, relationships that are interrupted um, so that you can make them stronger. And um, Lord, today, let us um, sit in this room, let us listen, let us keep our eyes open at how you move in all these situations and um, how you make um, conflict um, and turn it into uh, your masterpiece, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay. So war story time. This is where we're going to start our thinking. Our thinking is going to be adjusted, hopefully, as we go throughout this um, this time we have together. Uh, how comfortable are you? And I think we'll use the good old um, uh, stand up, kind of sit down, sort of thing here. So, like a I am not comfortable at all is um, we're gonna make you stand up strong and proud. Okay? I, so this is kind of a reverse scale in my mind a little bit here, but I wanna see your faces. You gotta stand up for yourself here. So if you're not comfortable at all, you're standing up strong. If you are completely comfortable, you're gonna sit down, cool as a cucumber. And if you're in the middle, you can do any sort of squat your body allows you to do at this point in the gathering, okay? You can use your, your height of your body to tell me where you're at with this. So how comfortable are you approaching someone you are in conflict with? You're all cool. So if you're not cool, you're standing up nice and straight. That's that's where I'm gonna just yeah gonna have to get used to this. Like if you're sitting down, you are like I walk right up to them and slap. No, you don't slap them. If you're in so approach someone you're in conflict with, you're doing the approach and you're walking up to someone. I I really have a problem with you and I'm just gonna deal with it right now. And he's gonna run because he's standing up. Okay, so all of you standing up, perfect. You can have a seat now. That's where I hope you all are by the end of this 35 minutes, right? You're all going to be cool as a cucumber. You're going to be warm, cucumbers, but okay. So again, same scale, um, totally uncomfortable you're standing up, totally comfortable you're sitting down, and somewhere in between you can do. Being approached by someone you are in conflict with. When they start walking your direction, what do you do? (laughs) 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 Then stand on your chair right if you have a seat by you that's open please raise your hand as you stand just so we can get some people where they need to be okay you can have a seat we have a lot of standers here a few sitting people and sometimes that's a little more comfortable right when when someone comes up to you at least you have that you know i don't know sometimes that works better and then oh we have a seat right over here oh they've got a seat there too and now everybody's fighting for you just (laughs) conflict um, and then how does your relationship with a person make a difference? Now, there's not a standing up scale for this one, but does anybody have a thought? How does your relationship, we're going to take like three thoughts. Um, relationship with a person, how does it make a difference? Moving in, also, you should know this is not exhaustive. We can't cover all the dimensions of conflict. I would love to have a time to do that because conflict is super interesting to me and I, I, I enjoy it. But um, just ask my wife. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. So conflict, as we start off here, we're going to start off with mindset stuff because um, we are what we think. Our perceptions are reality, all right? And so mind over matter, if you don't mind, it don't matter. And that's not to say you hide your head in the sand and pretend there's not conflict. That's not what we're talking about here, okay? If you don't mind, you don't matter. First, we're getting to the mindset, okay? If you don't mind, if you start, you know, doing the mental game of it's okay, I'm going to walk up and we're going to have a discussion. It's okay. I don't mind doing this. You're talking yourself out of that anxiety. And that seems weird. And I talk about this, and I'm not doing this new-agey kind of uh, stuff. I'm just saying God has created us with a thinking brain, correct? With free will. And it is our greatest detriment because free will is what got us into sin. But free will in a thinking mind also allows us, by the grace of God, to convince ourselves Something that makes us anxious doesn't have to make us anxious. That's all the counseling and therapies out there. That's what we're doing is we're just training our brains and our bodies to move. So as you think about going into conflict, if we don't mind, we don't matter, all right? I see um, that there's there's a difference we can we can change here. So this is how we're going to kind of look at that. First of all, you're going to go to, we're going to do two stories. And I'm not going to give you a lot of time, but you're going to go to a neighbor. And this is always awkward because, you know, it's like, and then the person behind me is going like, So try to make sure everybody has a chance to say this, right? But first, you're going to tell the person next to you either side or whatever. Try to balance that out. You can do threes if that works. You guys can do this. Tell the person next to you how much you dislike conflict. Those are pretty easy stories because I'm sure everybody has a horror story of a conflict gone terribly, terribly wrong or whatever and and how much that has lodged itself right in the center of your brain, that little almond-shaped bit that holds on to all that emotion that we have in our lives. It's wonderful, right? So tell the person that now we're going to start moving that if you don't mind you don't matter and how we do that is we start attaching good emotions up here we start thinking about and reliving these situations with good emotions this is okay this is okay i can breathe when i think about conflict because i know that there's also another side to things so this is the next story you're going to tell tell the person next to you how excited you are to help youth and this is the title of the section but this could be for anybody so this can apply in multiple areas of your life how you're we excited to help youth through conflict and share all the positive outcomes that could happen. All right? Now, in this room, this is an adult study, but I will point out we do have some youth up here. All right? But they're peer ministers, and they're going to be using this to help youth resolve conflict. Um, so a lot of people need this, um, and everybody has conflict, right? Okay, so now um, I'm going to give just a few seconds. The person next to you, how excited you are to help youth through conflict and share all the positive outcomes that could happen. Just dream. Like, how? why is it so important that we deal with this? Like this, I hope, casted a vision in your minds and you could say, yeah, I can easily see why if you got rid of conflict, it would be a blessing to myself and others, right? And you guys just launched into it. Um, And this is where we wanna start moving is thinking about how all the good things that can result because conflict is a beautiful thing. Like it's an interruption to a relationship so that it can be made stronger, okay? And um, we wanna see what God's doing there. On your handout, if you have a handout, and I apologize this is, this is um, showing me the, the deficiencies in I, my, um, thank you, the deficiency in my estimation skills, because I was in here quickly um, before the gathering started. I'm like, ah, 60. And I walked out, I'm like, there's like 60 on this side. So <laughs> if you're like, yeah, there's, if you want to share, if someone would like one, you can pass it down. I know I don't have enough. And just think about pizza, you know, in a youth group thing. Um, I think we need about three pizzas. We have 30 kids. All right. Okay. <laughs> So on the sheet, you can kind of see here this tiny picture is a, of uh, what is that? A forest fire. It's a forest fire, and um, I have a just an image stuck in my head of back when I was a kid, Yellowstone like burnt. It was a terrible fire in Yellowstone, right? And everybody's like, "Oh no, like Yellowstone's destroyed." And what happened like the, the next year and the following years after? Bigger, beautiful, better than ever, right? Conflict happens because it needs to happen because of all the dry, well, like forest fires, all the dry wood, all the, the things that are built up in the environment that is bringing this to a climax, it can't stay that way. Something has to change. And so when you think about it that way, it is a good thing you have conflict. If we did not have conflict, rates of stress, anxiety, heart attacks, all that stuff would be through the roof, Conflict is a pressure relief valve, okay? When Jonah was in the fish, he was having a conflict with God. <laughs> Don't get in conflict with God. <laughs> I, I, no, you should, because he is, he is a gracious and wonderful God and he is the best um, person in conflict. All right, so Psalm 118, if you can join me in Psalm 118. All right, and again, here's where I'd love to have more time, but we are going to read through Psalm 118 and as we read through it, I would appreciate um, you to be focusing in on um, who is in charge and who is leading the charge and who is rescuing and those type of things, all right, and really be focusing on that. Um, I probably won't be able to stop too much and dig in as much as I'd like to, uh, but let's read this together. Um, It is on page 511 if you're still looking um, on your phone. I don't know what page it is, so you'll have to just figure that one out yourself. Um, so one, Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good, His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say His steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say His steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say His steadfast love endures forever. And I'm just gonna pause you there, and I'm gonna <laughs> that's fun to do, right? And like oh man. So a steadfast love endures forever. That is where we start our discussion on conflict. Because who loves us with a steadfast love that endures forever? God. And who are we called to be like? We can't be, but we can be like who? Jesus, God, right? And his steadfast love endures forever. So um, what can we do... And how can we put our lives at the feet of Jesus on the cross so that we are approaching every conflict, whether it involves us or involves two people that we love in front of us, to say, I don't care what happens in here, my steadfast love for you endures forever because I have a Savior whose steadfast love endures for me forever. Okay? So that's how we're starting off here. Um, let's continue. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now, pause. I tried to jump in there before I got you off thing. Let's read that last um, one, two, three, four, five, six words. Say it again. Now, say it like you mean it. Now, in an Australian accent. (laughs) Oh, come on. I would have been lovely. Everybody loves an Australian accent, right? Okay, so what can, ma, uh, what can man do to me? And as we approach conflict, we need to understand that, right? What can man do to me? Um, sometimes we th- our, our imaginations run wild. Let's continue. The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Pause. So this is where you learn that whatever I have to say here is to be trusted less than what? The Lord. I'm just a dude, right? I'm just a guy. But the Lord has a bit greater gift for you in this session and through this psalm and in life than I am. And he is He is in the midst of the conflict and getting you through, right? Uh, All nations surround me in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surround me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees, they went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation, glad songs of salvation, and on the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live, and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Keep going. day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Lord is God, and he has made us light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. I cut down the interruptions because we do have some territory to cover here. Um, Look up at verse 24. Read that out loud, verse 24. And when that day comes, when some um, portion of your youth group or maybe someone um, that you are in conflict with and they, the conflict comes to a point where it flashes up and there's a conflict, um, just say that out loud to yourself. <laughs> and mean it. Not the sarcastic, like this, like bless your heart or whatever. they some, you know, Not that way, but like mean it. Like this is, the, Lord, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in this. Because at this day, There might be a battle, but the Lord has won the battle, right? Even before it happens. Okay, so we're going to move on and kind of continue as we go. Uh, So Psalm 118, write it down, look at it some more. When you come into conflict, I say revisit that because there's such a power and encouraging, steadfast foundation um, that we see what our Lord does. Uh, As we go forward here, um, what the gathering encourages and would like and makes sense in this is if you're thinking about helping um, you through conflict, uh, what 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 are the youth these days, right? And this is the whole Gen Z thing. Uh, who's heard of Gen Z? Gen Z, if you say it all together, just sounds interesting, right? Um, so I, I've been walking around, and, and because I've been kind of digging into this a little bit, I... Uh, um, I've been listening to people and and it's just interesting to see how many people are still using the Millennials and, oh, what about the Millennials and then Gen Zs and and where we're at with this whole generational thing. So the Millennials, uh, and they're kind of like 1980 to the mid-1990s. That's the birth years of the Millennials. And the Gen Z is like mid-90s to... Um, like 2010-ish. And if you look at different things, you're going to see different ones. because if you think about generations um, and, and defining them, and, and this is the way we, this is the world we live in is labeling, right? Like We, we hate labels, but we label everything. And now we're, we're trying to box up a whole host of people. And this is the biggest generation yet, all right? Huge and um, we're trying to box them up. So on each side of the generation, there's fuzzy zones. So like um, the uh, older Gen Zers may look like millennials, could even look like Xers, okay? And the younger ones, (laughs) my gosh, they're just children, right? They don't even know who they are yet, and we're trying to label them, okay? So take all of this. This can be helpful. There's some patterns in the data, but uh, don't say like, well, you are this way. Oh, sorry. Well, you are this way, right? And you don't have to be this way. Also, um, if you grow up in a certain small community where they have their own kind of culture, you may look totally different than this, right? Um, because your culture influences your the generational traits. So um, Gen Z tend to have a heavy tech use. Is that true? I hear I see head shakings right here. I've seen it at the gathering heavy tech use. Um, they grew up, they're, the, they're the most native of natives with technology, right? Social media, eight second attention span. I'm like, that's a fruit fly. Is that true? See, I don't, I don't know if I believe that or not. I don't know. We're, we're, we're not going to conflict the data yet, but I'm just kind of curious. I already said I'm going to pick their brains afterwards because I'm curious. So 7.6 hours of socializing a day, and now there's all types of numbers, and it's like, how do you define this? And with if you combine the numbers out there, a lot of the socializing is through social media. But there's also a huge contingent, a huge pattern in the data that, and, and self-reporting of Gen Zers that they are... Um, people that want to deal with things face-to-face. So it's not like um, some of the stereotypical stuff. There's a lot of face-to-face, too, in this generation. Check social media 100-plus times a day. I don't know. Does anybody not do that anymore? Thank you. You're in the minority in this room. I mean, look at the, those few hands that went up. Like, a lot of people check in at the gathering. Okay, we're, we're on a kind of a up curve, right? Because, like, oh, my youth. My youth. Everybody's doing that. All right. So who are we helping Gen Z tend to be up aging, right? And now there has been a trend in biology for a long time that puberty and stuff is starting earlier and earlier in adolescence and stuff. And so there's some of that, but this is also, think of this generation and what access they have. Like what social media brings into them, what YouTube brings into their life, what the news is bringing into our life, what TV, you know, all of this means they're having to deal with higher and higher levels of content, um, adult content, sooner and sooner, and they have to work with that, okay? Some good things in this is I believe, and this kind of goes down to here, right? The generation has seen the biggest progress in destigmatization of mental health help, right? More, and we need so much more of this these days. Everybody would agree with that, I think. But more and more are comfortable with counseling or therapies and kind of know how to talk the lingo. And because that's part of our kind of generation or our culture right now, also parents are getting better Uh, at doing this, and and that's kind of comes to this, right? 50% of Generation Z is college educated. There is a difference, folks, between those that have just their high school education and college education degree, and how they interact and how they approach life. And for so many reasons, that could be another sessional, right? Um, So these things are all interplaying as we go through this generation. Think about how that forms the person. Also think about what that means for conflict, right? I think there's a lot of hope for super healthy conflict resolution in this generation because of some of this data, okay? So um, who are we helping? These are some words, these catchphrases of educational, um, kind of helpful educational methods for this generation Z. Whether it's true or not, we shall see, right? But it must be visual, visual generation. Try and see. It's not just like me talking at you like I'm going to be doing today, unfortunately, more than I'd like to be. But try and see. Get your hands into it. Facilitator. So it's not, again, um, just teacher up front lecturing, but like let's engage and let me help you engage and facilitate each other. Collaboration. I mean, it's interesting because in, in what I've been reading and looking at is, is they, there's a lot of a, a desire to be famous, like YouTube stars and that sort of thing with this generation. Um, but there's a huge desire for collaboration at the same time. So I want the credit. Don't take it from me. I want to be famous because I want people to know me and have this identity, and they're doing some amazing things in this generation, um, but at the same time, very collaborative. So that also goes into the the huge multitasking ability that Generation Z has, right? And then um, learner-centric, they grew up in a school system where it wasn't like one-size-fits-all. They're starting to move into very specialized, you know, um, different, uh, behavior plans and, and learning plans and flexible classrooms and all that type of stuff. Okay. So seven practices, this is another piece of data that, uh, and, and I showed this at another one. They're starting to try to get these, these, um, pieces out. Seven practices of a healthy youth ministry. Some we're going to be engaging today. Congregations that have engaged parents, supportive adults, opportunities to serve and lead, warmth, challenge, and grace. This is all about conflict. Um, where's warmth, where's challenge, where does grace fall in this, this area of conflict, okay? Congregations that help each other young person to deeply understand their baptismal faith, huge. And I love that these three are up here because I think these three are the like the no brainers that we just push out of our brain. How are we helping people deeply understand their baptismal faith and faith and how does that affect conflict, right? And we're like, oh yeah, we should think about that. Right, develop um, a resilient identity in Christ. That's huge in conflict, because there is um, there's a fragileness to the last two generations, um, because of the social media thing. That the resiliency I think is going to be a huge, huge boon if we can build the resiliency with Christ esteem, right, in this generation to come. And of course, we want to look at our unique vocation. All right, and th- there's going to be a book coming out with all this in there. I haven't had a chance to look at this book. I can't recommend it or not recommend it. It's just these are things that are trying to get out into your hands now as it starts rolling out. Okay, so even if we don't get through all the slides I have today, in my point of view, this is the most important thing I'm gonna share with you today. And some of you may know it, some of you may not. Uh, Les Stroh, if you're familiar with that name, he's the guy that told me about this. I hear Sue Stegi is another wonderful DC I love working with, and she uses this all the time. And when I caught this and I was told this, this changed my life. It changed my life, especially around conflict. Any communication, but especially around conflict, okay? So let's just see how this works, right? So if I come running up, what's your name? Kyle. Kyle. Okay, so poor Kyle's in the front row. And I come run up to him, just ticked off at Kyle. And I start laying into Kyle. This is what this means. I'm A, and Kyle's B. And it's very tempting to think, for, for how we usually and how the human body responds to especially this conflict thing is it sees the situation as A telling B about B. You own it. In some ways, that's good, but in this situation, it's false and it's unhelpful, okay? So it's A telling B about A, right? It's my feelings. It's my frustration. It's all that. And if Kyle can sit there Deal with my bad breath and spittle, right? Then and just calmly receive. Okay, I don't have to feel offended about this. I'm listening to Michael share what's going on with his life, and especially in the church because we have the hope of Christ, the joy of the Lord, and we can say, "This is awesome. This is the, the Lord's made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it." Because now Michael's on fire, but I'm going to put him out, and you just throw a cup of water in their face, and they'll go away happy, right? So this is where we've all talked about this I language. Are you familiar with, I feel that, you know, using I language, so you're owning your feelings. So this is where that helps us to see this, because if you come up to me and if I'm not just super inflamed, but I can come up to Kyle and say, you know, um, I feel this way when this happened and I want you to know that who's where, you know, all the direction is coming to A, right? A is saying, this is me telling you about me, okay? This is huge. Is huge. Um, and so keep this, right? So the lay of the land, uh, this is where uh, we're going to look at some and take some pictures of these because we're going to be cruising through these a little bit faster. And I would love to talk about the other, um, but uh, that's not going to happen. So um, I'm not giving you like a, the A telling B, ab- or B about A is the closest thing I'm going to give you to kind of like a process or whatever. These are just things Keep in mind, so when you come into a conflict or you see people in a conflict, evaluate that conflict against some of these things I'm going to show in the next three slides. All right? And so uh, the barriers, the things that are going to make this conflict harder to resolve are these, right? The lack of responsibility is one side or both sides not taking responsibility for their actions. That's huge these days, guys. Um, And if you can't take responsibility, you can't heal. How do you help them take responsibility for what they need to own in this argument or this conflict, right? Grudges, how long has this been going on? And does this, is this just the fire that has been smoldering for decades? Or is this a fresh thing, right? Gossip, where has this fire gone? Is this a wildfire that's gone across? And so now we not only have to resolve this, but we got we to gotta put out the, we got to put a fire break in. And sides, are there two distinct sides and groups of people coming at each other? These are huge barriers and there's others, but... I don't have enough time to pull you or give you more, right? So has everybody got that one? We're going to be moving on. So best practices, again, these are not like do this, this. This is not one, two, three, four, five. This is traits of dealing with conflict that will help you. It will, I promise you. The face-to-face. And now what is in the parentheses next to this slide are pieces off of those, those data from Gen Z earlier in the slideshow. Okay, I just moved them down here to put them next to why this should be beneficial and help if the data set that we are visualizing from Gen Z is true. And I think it's going to be broadly true. Um, so face-to-face, they like that visual. So it's not separated. I see head shakings. <laughs> that's, that's I like to see that, right? So it's visual. It's face-to-face, right? Taking turns, there's a facilitation to it. And that's where we get to come in and be the, the peaceful bystander that can facilitate this discussion. So if it gets heated, you can bring in what we'll talk about on the next slide, okay? Uh, clarification, um, making sure that everybody understands each other. Most conflict that I've dealt with, and I've dealt with an, a bit of conflict in my life, um, both my own and others, is we're saying the same thing, but we're saying in different words and we're ticked off at each other. Not that we're, we're on separate pages, we're talking about the same thing, but it sounds like they're talking about something different, right? So clarifying, find that common ground because you can always build on common ground. And even in the worst conflict, there is common ground, especially if you're in the church. We both love Jesus, right? There's places to start. And then see the other's point of view, the learner-centric. So um, if this generation is indeed looking for learner-centric, like you have your point of view, well, isn't it good to honor this other person's point of view? Can we see where they're coming from? And it's amazing how that changes because... um, in all sin, this is, and I'm I'm forgetting the name of the woman who wrote upon this, but this is an old theory, an old uh, a piece. Is is sin is man turned in upon himself? And if anybody remembers the book, I'm thinking of that I can't remember the name of. Um, so uh, when we're trying to do man turn, but when you open up and you see the person across the way and you see what the, how they're different and where their point of view is, it helps the whole sinful anger um, dissipate. Okay, key tools. Uh, listening actively and reflectively. So the listening actively is, is listening engaged, and so the nonverbals and whatever, and so that they know that you're listening. You know, it's not the those type of things or the phone or whatever. It's the it's the connection. But reflectively is helping. It leads into some of these other the clarification stuff. So what you're saying is, did I understand you right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Those type of comments that help you um, make sure that we're all on the same page. A person of peace, this is another big thing in my world, is how do you become the person of peace in that room? Easier to do it if you're helping youth resolve conflict, harder to do it in your own conflict, but how do you become the person of peace? Um, See and share the positive. Uh, Clarifying statements that actually we talked about before. Humor, they're doing a class coming up here. KTIS has been advertising humor and grief. Well, humor and conflict is huge too. And it's easier for you guys as facilitators to bring some lighthearted humor in the room appropriately. Sometimes it's just too soon, right? So you <laughs> be aware of how your joking is. But, but some humor to lighten the load because laughter brings in more oxygen to the body. It changes the brain chemistry and it makes the conflict easier to resolve. Asking the more the questions, the better. And if you're in the facilitator role, it's easier to say, oh, because you're not as heated. So you're thinking your rational brain. Ah, uh, You said this, what do you mean by that? You know, ask those questions. This is at the bottom of the list and is by no means the worst or the, the least, right? Prayer. Before you engage any conflict, what should you do? What should you do? Pray. What should you do? Pray. Yes. And that is at the bottom, but it is by far you know the best and the most important thing because God is the God of, uh, of peace and, and he's the God that can reconcile and heal and resolve these issues.